Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Uh, Luke 12, 34 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Can I get an amen from someone today? Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's, that's a very wise uh, scripture. You know, whatever you whatever is, is valuable in your life, that's what you're gonna be thinking about. That's what you're gonna put a premium on, okay? So then Nehemiah 4, 13 and 14 says, so Israel is rebuilding the walls of the city. And it says, so I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall. Somebody say vulnerable. There might be vulnerable places in your family right now. There might be vulnerable places in your life right now that need to be rebuilt walls that need to be rebuilt in your life, okay? And it says, I stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall and assigned people by families with their swords, lances, and bows as they're rebuilding. After looking things over, I stood up and spoke to the nobles, officials, and everyone else. Don't be afraid of them. Anyone that attacks, anyone that tries to attack the walls that you're building in your life, Don't be afraid of them. Put your minds on the master, great and awesome, and then fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Come on, look at someone next to you and say, through your mask, fight for your family. (laughs) Fight for your family. And finally, Matthew 12, 25, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. I wanna talk to you today about family feud. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives. Lord, we truly celebrate today uh, just being able to meet together in the name of Jesus, corporately coming here for the purpose of raising our hands, lifting our voice to you. I pray, Lord, today that the people that are dealing with anxiety and difficulty or even people that are sick right now, uh, and just in need of a miracle that you would touch them. Lord, people that are worried about getting out in culture and having problems with the way things are going and some of the restrictions and things that have to be done, you see every need in our lives, God. And I thank you that you love us no matter what, how we feel about things, you love us. I pray that you would help the church be the unity uh, that you have called us to be during these challenging times. I pray that those who are watching online would have an amazing sense of family and connection. I pray those that are in the room today would be truly blessed for being here in the house of the Lord today and just bless this message. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody said. I've been preaching to an empty church, so I'm looking forward to hearing y'all today, man. All right, so the older I get, the more aware I become that words that I use on a regular basis do not mean the same thing to every single person. So when I was a lot younger, there are certain things that I would celebrate or certain things I would get excited about or I would talk about and I would preach and I, go, I listen to some of my old messages and I think, why did I even say that? I don't even understand. Whether it was Father's Day or Mother's Day or even Christmas or things like that, that I was wanting everyone to feel exactly like I felt. But isn't it true that our experiences shape our worldview? Uh, what we've been through kind of shapes the way we feel about that particular thing. So when you say the word family, um, for me, I grew up in what is considered a traditional family. Uh, I had a mom, dad, I had a younger sister, and, and, and this is, I'm talking in the you know, 70s and 80s here growing up, had a younger sister, 
and we were just kind of the normal American family, like the one point, you know, eight kids. And uh, I guess I, you know, was the point eight one, you know, because I just am not quite all there. Uh, but 1.8 kids, and, and we looked like what fam, a family would look like on TV in some cases. But not every family is like that. So I can't expect that when I say family, everyone connects with my definition of family. I've got good feelings about family. When I talk about the word father, I have a great experience. I mean, I wrote a movie about my father. I was talking to an actor uh, two days ago on our final callbacks, my director's callback. I've got my casting agents on there and on a Zoom call, and this guy is famous. And I said, you know, I got a weird, uh, you know, I'm in a weird predicament right here. I said, I'm trying to cast someone to play my father. I said, I wonder if anyone has ever had to do that in the history of, of, of directing films, cast someone to play their own father. So I love my dad. I love my dad enough that I wrote a movie about him. But the, the, the truth of it is, is as great as he is to me, I can't expect that everyone feels the way about their father that I do. So family is complicated. Even my beautiful wife, Amy, uh, her father died when she was just an infant. He died in a tragic accident at his 18th birthday party. And she grew up in a home that had a lot of turmoil and stress and, and, and trouble. So family for her, when, when the word family is said, it might mean something different to her. So I wanna be conscious of that uh, when we're talking about family, that everyone has a different experience and uh, everyone has a different feeling when they hear something. And in our world today, families are very different looking. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, the, the number of childbirths have decreased consistently since 1965. It was 2.44 in 1965, and it has decreased to about 1.93 right now is the average. It's been steadily going down. And many experts believe that the decrease of, of, of kids in, in homes in America, and also, believe it or not, divorce is decreasing. Uh, in America. But what's interesting is sociologists, when they look at these ideas of why family is decreasing, why divorce is decreasing, it's really not connected to morality in any way. Uh, what they're finding is that the generation right now, millennials are more concerned. This is not a negative thing I'm saying. Sometimes when people use the word millennials, it's always so, oh, millennials this. No, I'm just referring to the actual generation. Th that generation is, is very tactical about their finances. And so they wanna make sure that they wait until they're financially secure to get married and that they don't get divorced because divorce would cause, cost them money, to be honest with you. And so that's really what people think. It's, it's less about morality and more about individualism. Okay, so, so we're seeing culturally that family these days, some of it, what factors into people's mind is financial security. Uh, is uh, success, is my own sense of wanting to follow my personal dreams. That's really not the, the traditional view of what family is. The traditional view of what family is, is that, you, you know, you got a family, you just go for it, you, you, live, you live with, with love, you go through the good times and, and the bad. So things have changed and things have shifted, but one thing cannot be disputed. You don't choose your family. Nobody has a vote. Nobody has a vote on whether you have a good or bad father. Nobody has a vote on whether you get abused growing up. Nobody has a vote on whether or not someone in your family got cancer and died and left you without anyone to ask a question to. Right? It's, it's hard to, to admit that, but it's true. We don't get a vote. Divorce. Children don't get to vote 
on divorce. They're just informed of what's gonna happen. You're going to live with this parent. I'm going to see you then, or I'm moving to this state and I will visit you on how, and the kid's just going, okay, you just no, no. So I'm not banging on something in a negative way, trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm trying to talk about the fact that these are the dynamics that create what we think of when we say the word family. So it's complicated to talk about family because everyone has a different definition of what it is. But let me point something out to you. In Matthew 12, it says, while Jesus was talking to the crowd, his mother, and first of all, Jesus was very personal. He built strong, passionate, intentional, deep relationships with people. It says, his, while he was talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So Jesus does what he does so well, which is shake up our idea of what something actually is. So Jesus is saying in this particular passage, and there are, there's another passage, by the way, uh, that we look at in John 19, where Jesus is on the cross. And he says, he looked down and saw the disciple, he loved John standing with her. And he said, mother, look, John will be a son to you. And he said, John, look, she'll be a mother to you. And from that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. So Jesus on the cross is thinking about his mom saying, John, will you take care of my mom? Mom, he's going to be your son now because I'm going to be gone. So he loves his earthly family. But yet in this other scripture, he's basically saying, the point wasn't he didn't love his mother and brothers or he wasn't interested in what they're saying. He was trying to teach them something deeper. He's saying in the kingdom, family is a different definition than family is in the natural. You are in the room right now with family. Hey, City of Life Church at home, you are in the room right now with family. Somebody better type some amens up in the room. You're in the room with family. Why? Because he says, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. So Jesus is expanding the idea of family, that there is a Christian idea of family. And it's powerful. John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, To all who loved him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The right. We have the right. It is a privilege. It is an honor to step into the family of God. Do you know what that means? It means no matter what you went through growing up, you have the right to be a part of something greater. You have the right to step into belonging. You have the right to step into a place where you have a father that loves you unconditionally. You have brothers and sisters that will lift you up and support you no matter what your past looks like, no matter the color of your skin, no matter the income level that you're in, if you're a man or a woman, if you have a job, no job, you have a family that loves you and is called to support you and lift you up in Jesus, and that is powerful. So I want to put an emphasis for those that do not have a lot of physical, natural, nuclear family members near you that you would sort of you know, kind of check this box and go, oh, well, I don't really have that, this is not for me. No, you've got family. And it's really important 
that we learn how to treat one another as family in a biblical way. And, and let me just point this out today. The Ten Commandments are, are obviously very important. <laughs> um, and think about the order of them. Have you ever thought about it? That it starts out with the way that we're supposed to feel and think and behave toward God. So he starts out with the most important things. He says, you have no other gods before me. That's really important, idolatry. Anything that you, and by the way, to some people, family is God. We can't make family our God. We can't love our family before we love God. So we gotta put God in the right place. So, so he says, have no other gods before me. He said, don't make any idols or graven images uh, and worship them, just don't do it. Uh, and then he, then he goes on to say, uh, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Make sure, and, and by the way, if you're just going, well, what, what do we do during quarantine? Well, Sabbath is, is a, a day of the week. It's a principle that is really important that we have a day of rest, that we have a day of contemplation toward the Lord. It, it, I, I believe that the Bible is pretty clear about that, that it's important. I, I believe don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. I believe during COVID that we've had a whole season where we've not been able to physically get together. I think online church has been very important. And I think whether you're attending online or you're attending in person, I think it's important that on those days that are a day off, or even if it's not a day off and you work every, seven days a week to take a day and to take time, to make sure you're keeping the Sabbath, you're remembering God on that day, you're resting unto him. Can I get an amen from someone? Because it's worship to him when we rest and pause unto him. He took a day of rest. Uh, and if he did it, right, amen, we should do it. I shouldn't have to convince you to want to rest. Can I get an amen from somebody? Okay, so that's the first four. What's the fifth one? Honor your father and mother. Okay, so that is... That is key. It is the first earthly relationship that we are mentioned to give regard to. Honor your father and mother. And I think that we have, what is honor? The biblical definition of honor has to do with value. Value or worth. Give great worth and great value to your parents. Now here is the problem. Culture has taught us based on the evolution of morality and ethics in our world, they have taught that honor has to be earned, that honor must be deserved. If someone disrespects you or does not treat you right, you should never give them honor and value. As a matter of fact, if they do the wrong thing, you should completely devalue them. That's not a biblical principle. The, the Bible tells us we are to honor our parents. Why? It doesn't mean that our parents are worthy. There are people whose parents are some of the jerkiest people that have ever lived. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to honor, why? Because that's the first experience that we have interacting with people on a regular basis. And if we learn how to honor our family, our father and mother and our brothers and sisters, those that are closest to us, if we learn how to live with kindness and treat people with respect, treat people with dignity, Treat people with manners. You know, it really is gross when I find out in counseling sessions and I find out with people, it just really is so sad when I hear that people talk down to their family, they cuss their family out, they bang on steering wheels, they kick holes in walls, but yet they go out and they're the nicest person in the world to people that are strangers. You've got it backwards and you're not showing the love of God. It has to start with your family. It has to start with your family. 
And see, the principle of family, the reason that we argue and the reason that we come apart, the reason we say things that we don't mean and the reason people haven't talked to their mom or their dad in many years. Look, I don't know what happened to you. I know this though. I know that my own mother, before my grandfather died, um, the one that, you know, did some really terrible things to her growing up. Uh, she was sexually abused. He never admitted those things. Even after she was older and became an adult and got her degree in psychology, she knew that he was dying. And she went to Alabama and in front of my grandfather and my grandmother, she sat down at the table and she said, dad, I have been unable to feel about you the way I'm supposed to feel about my father because of the things that you've done and you did to me growing up. Now, this is the part that's really tough for me to even, even say, but she said, will you forgive me that I've been unable to respect you and honor you all these years the way I should because you're my dad. And he just started weeping and he admitted everything that he did in front of my grandmother for the first time right before he died right before he died. And he, now look, you may be sitting there going, it don't matter, but I'm telling you, my mom actually demonstrated what honor really is. Honor means, do you know that God honors us and we don't deserve it? So if God honors us by giving us his glory, shouldn't we honor other people that don't deserve it as well? See, we should give people dignity. We should give people respect and it has to start in our home. What an opportunity you have to demonstrate the love of Jesus in your home. And sometimes, uh, the, you know, the Bible says familiarity, the word family is in there. Familiarity breeds contempt. And sometimes when you see the same people over and over, your tendency is not to want to respect and to give weight and value to those people because you've seen them so much. But I just encourage you, it begins in the home and it flows outward to other relationships. That's why honor your father and mother is the first thing we're told to do towards humans. The rest is what we do toward God. Honor your father and mother is the foundation of every other thing that we do toward humans. And the rest of the 10 commandments are all about how we treat people. What gets us in trouble with people? What causes relationships to break? And look, if you're sitting here going, well, my family's so messed up, there's absolutely no way it could be fixed. There are no perfect families. There are no perfect families, we, but we do have a perfect God that uses imperfect people to do his perfect will in us. I do believe that. And you know, great families don't happen by accident. It takes a lot of work. My family that's sitting here on the front row, they're the most important people in my entire life. We have a, a loving family. We have a, a family that laughs together and we're, we're best friends and we have a good time together. And we have a family that works very hard on what we have. We have difficult conversations. We do the things that are important. Why do we work so hard? We don't just live by default. We work hard and intentionally so that we can have a great family. Why? Because it's worth it. Why? Because wherever your treasure is, there is your heart also. That is my treasure and my heart is with them because I've invested time in it. See, you ever, you ever been around somebody that's got like 12 abs? You ever notice how they're always wearing half shirts and like stretching so like their shirt comes up and you can see them? Why? Well, I mean, they've worked for those things. I mean, I'd probably be wearing a half shirt right now too if I had 12 abs. No, not in church. But the truth is, whatever we've invested in, I don't, I, I don't have 12 abs at all. I'm just, in case you're wondering, I don't have 12 abs. 
I don't even know if I have them. They don't exist, in my opinion. But, but the, the truth is, whatever we invest our time in, we're proud of and we're excited about because we've got something invested in it. Great families don't happen by accident. So what can we do to avoid living in constant family feud? By the way, this is for some of the older people out there, but do any of you guys remember the old school family feud? Can anybody remember or tell me the name of the original host? Richard Dawson. This dude was kind of gross. I'm just going to tell you, I know it just sounds so mean for a preacher to say, but I'm just telling you that this dude just used to walk up to every woman on the show and kiss her on the lips. He, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, for those of you that are young, you won't believe this. I'm talking about married women. He'd go, hello, darling, what's your name? My name's Debbie. He'd go, come here. I mean, the husbands would just be like, I'd be like, Richard, come here toward me. My name is Jeff, and that's my wife you just tried to kiss. I'd like to introduce you to my buddy. Man, what is going on with that guy? It's wild. I like Steve Harvey personally. I think he's the best. But uh, how do we avoid family feud? I'm going to say something right now that I actually believe could change your life if you really think about it. If you write this down and you leave and you consider this, I do believe that this concept, this idea could be life-changing, okay? Here's the idea, and it's just a way of thinking. Think about this for a second. Priorities are the decision before the decision. Priorities are the decision before the decision. Can I give you an example? Let's go to the beach this Sunday, Jeff. Let's go to the beach this Sunday, okay? That's, that's a reasonable question, okay? Well, if I don't have personal priorities, now, by the way, I'm not telling you that my priority should be your priorities, okay? But if my priority is that on Sundays, my family and I worship together in the house of the Lord, uh, that doesn't have to be everyone's. It doesn't mean I'm better or you're worse or anything. It just means this is the priority for my life. On Sundays, we worship together in the morning, let's say we attend church and we go to the 9.30 service, then if that's the decision before the decision, then when the decision is presented to me to miss in the morning, there's no decision to be made. Why? Because priorities are the decision before the decision. Okay, so I just gotta let you know, if somebody comes up to you flirting with you on your job and you're married, priorities are the decision before the decision. There is no decision. This is the decision, and it's already been made. You already made the decision. That's called a priority. In our families, we have to make honor and respect a priority. Somebody say honor is a priority in my family. It means I don't disrespect my wife. I don't talk disrespectfully to my wife. I honor her, I value her. It's a decision that I make in my life. So what happens? When she does something that I don't like and I'm tempted to be hurtful and I'm tempted to say that cutting thing, by the way, I'm very sarcastic, I can be mean. I know that's really hard for you to believe. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> but when I'm tempted to say something that hurts to get my point across, if I have a priority, 
it means, wait a minute, I've already made this decision. I don't live like that. I don't treat my family like that. I don't treat people like that. So therefore, now let me go to my other option, which is communication. Let me try to figure out what's going on here so I can solve it. Priorities are the proof of your purpose. Priorities are the proof of your purpose. You want to know what your purpose is in life? Write down a priority list of what really matters to you in life, and you're going to see your purpose. It's going to mirror your purpose in life. You know, where your treasures, your heart will be, whatever you put first in your life is what you treasure the most. That's why I wrote Jesus first, Jesus always. Jesus first, Jesus always really is a way to basically break it all down and say that, that Jesus first, that everything I do in my life is an outflow of the love that I have for Jesus and the love that he has for me. That's a priority to me, to make sure that I'm living like Jesus in everything I do. It sets the bar for everything. All right, so it's time to prove that you love your family. You say you love your family. And you might look at your situation and see chaos, but what's great is God looks at chaos and he sees order. He's gonna put that chaos into order if you allow him to. So allow God to bring order to your chaos. You know, cities with no walls, they have no protection. So your family right now might be in shambles because like the story that I read you at the beginning, you haven't built walls around your family and you're open to attack from anywhere. Build walls together as a family. Just like that scripture says, it says, you know, with your weapons in hand, stand together and build the family, then fight for each other. When something comes and tries to threaten your family, you fight together as a family. Let's learn how to fight together as friends and as the people of God. Process precedes progress. Process comes before progress. Process precedes progress. So develop a process in your family that you're gonna love each other. You're gonna talk kindly to each other. I don't care if you cussed each other out on the way to church today. You just, that's gone, that's over with. Start brand new today, never go back there again. Make a decision that from, that is what I love about Jesus is every day is a brand new day. It's a brand new chance to start over again. Create a process, learn how to deal with conflict in your family. You might deal with conflict the way your parents did. Are you a peacemaker or a prize fighter? You have to learn how to agree for parameters of discipline in your house that are, that are fair, that are loving, that are kind, that establish justice without allowing anger to rule supreme. You know, people can be so mean to each other and cutting uh, with their words. I heard a count, here's some quotes from a counseling session. This is true, they actually said this. Uh, a woman said to her husband, she said, you know, we have something in common in our relationship. Uh, we're both in love with the same person. She said this to her husband, we're both in love with the same person, you. And he turned to her and said, you have every quality of a dog except for one. She said, what? He said, loyalty. Yikes, I hope that doesn't mean she crawls in his lap and licks his you know, face every day. That's kind of gross. Bad joke, Jeff. Let's just keep going here. That's... So what I would encourage you to... <laughs> what I, what I, I'm, I'm, I'm awkward. I haven't seen people in a while. Help me. Have some patience with me. Uh, can I give you a couple points real quick that maybe you could write down that could help maybe save you some, some struggle? 
the first one is a little corny, but don't use weapons of mass destruction in your family. Don't tell your wife or your husband you're gonna get a divorce. Don't leave your house and sleep somewhere else. You can walk away from a situation and cool off, but make sure you come back. Parents, make sure your kids know that you've come back. Don't leave and try to create all these weird things. It's weird to see mom or dad waking up on the couch. Figure out a way to deal with difficulties, okay? That's number one. Number two, don't go to bed angry. That's a, that's a great principle with your family. Make sure that you let them know how you feel before bedtime. It's not wise, Ephesians 4.26 three, listen to God. Go and get with God. Humble yourself before him. Pray about what just happened. Then come back and apply the grace that he gave you liberally to the situation. And the next one, number four, is try to understand the other person without sarcasm. Sarcasm really hurts. It can be worse than someone just confronting you directly. When it's done in a joking way, it just shows how little they feel about you. Number five, try and understand yourself. Sometimes we pretend we're upset about one thing, but we're, and that's the excuse that we use to get in an argument, but we're actually upset about something else that we're not willing to admit to ourselves. You might be disappointed in yourself and you're taking it out on your family. You might be depressed or low about your own self-worth and you're taking it out on everyone else in your family. Number six, always say, I love you. That should be the name of a movie. Although always say, I love you, always. Just say it, say it on the phone. Never hang up on the phone without saying, I love you. You say, well, we don't do that. Yeah, exactly. How's that working for you? Start to do it. Start to do it today. I mean, my, you know, my family, my people might think we're weird, but I mean, we'll be in the same room together and you know, Jude will say, hey guys, I'm gonna go play a video game for an hour or so. Love y'all, bye. And he's just going to another room. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, maybe it gets overboard. It's like, hey, do you want a Mountain Dew, Dad? Yeah, okay, I'm gonna go get it. Love you. I mean, it's not like that level, but if you're actually leaving someone's, it's actually Diet Mountain Dew. In case you wanted to send me a case, but uh, it's not on that level. That's called the nectar of heaven. That is in uh, Revelation uh, eight seven. <clears throat> eight seven. It's a good day. seven, always ask for forgiveness. Not just say, I'm sorry. Big difference, right? That's a big difference. Because if you say, will you forgive me? Now you're asking someone if they're willing to release it. And that's what we need to move forward. So say, I'm sorry. And then say, will you forgive me? I'm sorry, admits you made a mistake. Will you forgive me? Admits that your mistake hurt someone. So, I hope this has been good today and encouraging. I've tried to make it very, very biblical. I want our families to flourish. I want your relationships to flourish. If you don't have traditional family and, and Christians are your family, as the Bible tells us, as Jesus was referring to in that scripture, he said, hey, these are my brothers and my sisters. This is my family. That's what he was saying. So I have to learn how to treat these guys the way that I would treat a normal family. But start with the people that are closest to you and then let all your great relationships in life be an outflow of what God is doing to the people that are closest to you. Thrive in your family and God will be lifted up. He'll be honored. That's why church is so important. We practice here what culture should look like. 
we practice in, in church as believers what culture should look like. We ought to be the shining examples of what love and honor and dignity are supposed to look like. And other people say, man, that person is a Christian. They're living for God in a, in a wonderful way. They're so kind toward people. I want to be like that. We need to be those kinds of examples for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, I just hope that if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, that you received a lot of hope from this message. Jesus, you know, he's the one that in that scripture, I said, looked at his mother when he was on the cross. He, he went to the cross because he loves us. Uh, we can't live a life that's good enough to earn God's favor. We can't live a life that's good enough to earn his forgiveness. God knew that. And he sent Jesus on our behalf to live the life that we couldn't live. But instead of rewarding him simply on the level that he deserved from living that, Jesus was willing to take our punishment. And then he gave us all those rewards in exchange for our failure and our sin. And he took that upon himself and he absorbed it and he dealt with it and he buried it in the grave forevermore so that in Jesus, we have freedom today. If you need to know Jesus, I wanna invite you, if you're watching online or you're here in the room, I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you need Jesus to become the Lord of your life today, your heart is not in a right place. You say, well, how do I know that? I think the Lord deals with us to let us know if our heart is in the right place. If you need to ask Jesus to become the Lord of your life today in this room, no one's looking around. I'm gonna ask you all over the building, if that's you, just say, I need Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Would you lift your hand right now if that's you all over this building? Hands going up, that's amazing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Wow, just so many hands all over the building. That is beautiful. Thank you so much. It's over 20 people in the room that have their hands lifted up. It's beautiful. Thank you. Those of you that are watching online, I just encourage you, type in the chat room right there. I need Jesus. God is doing something right now. I need Jesus. And I'm gonna pray with you right now. I'm gonna ask every person that needs Jesus to become the Lord of your life to repeat this with me. You can type it in the chat as I'm saying it, or just repeat it out loud if you're here in the room. Say, I ask you, Lord Jesus, I ask you, Lord Jesus to forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the old life. I'm turning away from the old life. I'm walking into a brand new life. I'm walking into a brand new life. With you, Lord. With you, Lord. I am a part. I am a part of a brand new family. A brand new family. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for accepting me. As your child. As, as your child. child. I'll serve you. I'll serve you. All the days of my life. All the days, days of my life. life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord one more great praise today? Love you guys so much. It is so wonderful to see you. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.